Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to, to the session on how to set up disaster recovery readiness uh, for your AWS environments with Drua Solutions. I'm Rono Jacob. I head Drua's Cloud Ranger product line. Joining me today from Vanderbilt University <laughs> is Julie Catlier. She's a lead member of the IT Cloud team. So what do we have on the agenda today? We'll, we'll start with some basic introductions on why do you need disaster recovery readiness for AWS environments. From there, we'll have Julie come and cover Vanderbilt's use case and how they took a journey to the cloud and what challenges they faced out there. We'll then dive deeper into Drua's Cloud Ranger solution and see how it helps uh, with disaster recovery readiness, how it can help you with there. And then we'll go over some of the recommendations that we have seen uh, with our customers, how they've been using and setting up disaster recovery in their environments using our solutions. So that's what we have on the agenda. To start off with, who is Drua and you know, what do we do? Uh, we offer enterprise organizations with a cloud-based data protection solution. Uh, we, have, we are natively architected in AWS. All our solutions are SaaS-based and they're built over AWS. We have over 150 petabytes of data under management and are trusted by over 4,000 plus customers today. So what do we mean by data protection? What does Drua offer from, from a data protection standpoint? If you look towards enterprise organizations um, and you look at the en enterprise organizations out there, starting with the end users, uh, you know, in terms of their laptops, in terms of their desktops, or if you're, if you're looking at SaaS applications like Office 365, we have Drua NSYNC, which is a solution that's there that helps with end user data. If you're looking at server workloads, starting uh, your servers running in your data centers or your remote offices, we have Drua's Phoenix solution into it. And for today's session, you know, when you're looking at cloud native workloads, Drua's Cloud Ranger solution, which is there to design to protect uh, the, the native workloads that run in cloud. In terms of capabilities, what do we do? We start with data protection, which is centered around backup and recovery. We offer backup and recovery across these workloads, helping you set disaster recovery readiness with our solutions. Building over that in terms of capabilities, we have governance capabilities. So if you have an investigation, ongoing investigation in your organization, you have litigations arising, then we offer e-discovery capabilities over the data that's being backed up. Finally, helping you understand more what to do with your data. So we have data analytics capabilities that can help you understand you know, what's, what's, data, what's your data within your organization and what's happening around it. So it's this ambit of areas that comprise of Drua's solutions together. For today's session, we're going to focus specifically around AWS workloads. We're going to talk about AWS environments, and we're going to talk more about Drua's Cloud Ranger solution. Now, in terms of our customer base, Across every vertical, we have leading brands that look to us for, for their data protection needs. If you look towards the analyst, uh, we figured as a strong performer in, for, in the Forrester wave uh, for data resiliency. If you turn towards Gartner peer, peer Insights, that's where users like you who use our products and rate our products, you'd see that we have one of the highest rates when it comes uh, to, to using our products. So that's in a nutshell who Drua is, what do we do? So turning over to today's session, you know, we'll, we'll start off with the very, very basic question. Now, who is responsible in terms of disaster recovery readiness for your AWS environments? This is the question that comes repeatedly to us you know, from when we hear conversations. The question that comes up is, uh, 
Is it AWS? Is it my responsibility? You know, who, who takes responsibility for, for my workloads running in it? To understand this better, we should look towards AWS's shared responsibility model, where AWS talks about the data or the security of the cloud. So in terms of the underlying infrastructure, in terms of the data securing the data centers available in a region, in terms of making sure all the cloud services are available, all of that falls towards AWS. However, if you look towards yourself where you, know, you have an AWS account, and within that AWS account, you, you're storing customer data or your data, you have network set up, VPN configurations, VPCs, all of those set up. AWS calls that a security of the cloud. That entire responsibility falls towards you as a customer. So even including safeguarding that data in terms of how you configure your security settings, all of those responsibilities lie towards you as a customer. Now, what does this mean uh, from a business standpoint? So if you had an operational outage, let's say there was an accidental deletion or something went around operationally which brought down your sites, or for that matter, you worked in a regulatory industry where you had a compliance mandate to keep, or you, had, you were catering to customers and you had customer contracts that you need where you were assuring them that you had a disaster recovery readiness. All of those responsibilities when it comes to safeguarding that, you would find that you have a key role to play in, in that aspect. And that's why it's very important when, when you look towards the cloud and you ask this fundamental question saying, you know, where does the responsibility lie? The responsibility is more towards a shared mo model where you as a customer or you as a user of AWS also are equally involved in that data protection requirement. Now, when it comes to AWS considerations for setting up a DR setup, you know, what are the AWS considerations? I'm sure you'd have your own internal considerations that you need to do with respect to setting up your DR environments. But if you were to look at it from an AWS perspective, you know, you're looking at your AWS environment, I want to give you three different perspectives uh, to, to, to factor that in. The first one is around flexibility and availability, and this is like the biggest driver you would see towards adopting cloud where you would look at AWS and say, you know, there's so many regions readily available. I'm not sure if they're going to be announcing any regions today, but you know, as, as more and more regions becoming, become available, you have lots of options in terms of what instance types you can pick. You have choices in terms of what cloud services you can take. However, when you look at it from a DR setup perspective, it's important to note that all of this have region dependencies. So, in terms of your instance types, if you have applications that are dependent on a particular instance type, or you're using cloud services that are there, that are not are there, then you have to factor in, are these cloud services available across all your regions? And this is very important because when you set up a DR site, if you're using a particular instance type, and let's say it's not available in the DR setup, then you're probably going to have that kind of consideration. To take an example, if you turn towards U.S. East, and U.S. East was your area, you'd see that North Virginia has six availability zones, which means there's a better availability of, of resources there. But Ohio, which is also on the East Coast, still has three availability zones. And this is a factor that you have to take in mind when you look at every region that you're working with. The second is cost, and all of us, you know, as we look at AWS, like the wonderful part that you only pay for the cost, only pay for the services that you use. But at the same time, an underlying part that you have always with you is, you know, how do we bring our costs down? You know, is our cost growing? What do we do against it? Now, if you were to factor that from a DR perspective, it's important to know that when you take a cross-region kind of a DR strategy, there are egress costs with, with the data being moved across. 
Likewise, not all regions cost the same. To put this in again in perspective, if you are based out of Europe, Stockholm is roughly about 11% cheaper than Paris. And this is just factoring in, if you were to look at the storage and the compute cost and just average that over a month, you'd see roughly about 11% cheaper. Now, what does this mean from a DR perspective? It means that you know, if you were to pick a DR site and you had a choice to pick an alternate region, you could actually lower your costs from a DR perspective. The last part is, is around compliance and security. So while you set up your AWS sites, you would say there's a global deployment. I could potentially have as many AWS accounts that I want, and I could go across users and set up all these regions that I have. The same time, you have to keep in mind that you have data residency requirements. So if your data cannot travel out of your country that you're located in, then that same consideration also applies to your DR perspective too. And when you set up a DR site, you have to factor that in. Then we have to look at your management and security. If you're looking at it from a management and security perspective, if you take a cross-account, cross-region kind of a DR strategy, if that's what you're adopting, then you have to note that your IAM or your identity and access management in terms of your roles that you set up, they are account-specific. So if you're going to set up another account, then you need to, to factor that in. Likewise, the data that you're using to encrypt your data, the keys that you use, the KMS keys, they're region-specific. So if you're taking another region as a DR site, then you need to have those keys in, into perspective. Now, why is this important? This is important because as you look at the ambit of setting up a DR site, it's, while you look at your own considerations that will form a part tailored to your own environment, you also have to look at the AWS dynamics to factor in and say, can I save costs? Can I save management? And all of this would intentionally affect how you set up your DR setups part of it. So before I go and talk about you know, the need for DR, how many of you are responsible for a production and managing your organization's production environment? How many of you are admins? Wow, big, big group out here. How many of you have had an incident where one of the applications went down or something went wrong in your AWS environment resulting in an outage for your business. Wow, that's, that's quite a few hands out there. So for those you know, who haven't seen these issues in AWS, I just want to put it out and say that it's, it's nothing to do with AWS, but in general, any environment that you have is not immune to issues that could go wrong. And that's the number one reason why you need to have a disaster recovery readiness. As an example, user errors can happen. Accidental deletions, configuration updates that mess up things, uh, any of these changes could potentially bring down your environment unknowingly. There could be malicious attacks and insider threads. Uh, just keep in mind the weakest link can open up a security loophole for you. It's, it's very much possible that if you have your developers working in the middle of troubleshooting something, you might accidentally post a snippet of code to, to, uh, to, to a particular public forum, might have your keys in it, things like that could happen. Your snapshots, your snapshots, if they're not encrypted and in public form, you know, if someone could access that and reinflate and access your servers up, there are potential leaks that could happen. Operational mishaps. Mishaps, your applications are running, software updates happen on it. Uh, softwares are not immune to bugs. Uh, if bugs happen, sometimes the bugs are severe. They could bring down your systems. And lastly, you could have site outages. Now, while each one of this would give you an opportunity to root cause and fix, 
Many of you who are responsible for your AWS environments or your environments that you're managing would know that the moment your application goes down, the moment there's an outage, what happens? Your clock starts ticking, right? The SLA starts to go on. You, have, you need to bring your systems back on. You need to bring your systems back on. So while you'll make every effort to root cause it, to try and fix it, if you don't have that, the next best option is to orchestrate a failover, find some way to recover against. That way, you minimize the business impact. And that's a consideration that you have to keep in mind. And these, these challenges that you see are not immune to any environment. It can happen with, even with your own existing or with your AWS environments. So for those who, who have set up DR plans, why do DR plans actually fail? Uh, the primary reason that we hear and see uh, in terms of the reasons why your DR plans fail start with you, you set up your DR plans, you base it on what your production environment looks like, and then over time, you start to make changes to your production environment. You start to change it. This is compounded even more in the cloud because you get, to, you get new services, you get new capabilities in AWS, and you often make, have this opportunity to change things. Every time you make a change, and if that change is not reflected in your DR plan, then what you're going to start to see over time, your DR plan strays away from what your original plan was set up to be with respect to your production. Now, if you go back with your daily work, and many of you want to test it but don't have that opportunity or luxury to test it, then what's going to happen is one fine day when that opportunity comes or when that situation comes where you have an outage, you'd find that your DR plans are actually not in sync with what should have been the case where you had prepared it for. And we see these as the three primary reasons why DR plans actually, our concerns are there with it. So when we look at these challenges uh, and we see the, the, the approaches that organizations take in terms of how they can solve for it, these were the reasons that gave rise to Druva's Cloud Ranger solution to say, you know, how could we find a way to make it simpler, to make it easier for you as an organization who are, who are looking to set up DR plans? How could we make it easier for you to set that up on your own with, with certain level of automation? So what is Druva's Cloud Ranger solution? If you look at Rua's Cloud Ranger solution, it's a SaaS-based solution designed on AWS uh, for data protection. We start with the workloads on the AWS side of it, right, with your EC2 instances to all the databases, pretty much all the databases that AWS offers. We have EBS volumes in terms of the data that you're looking. So if you have servers and you have data, EBS volumes, we have the EBS volumes under, that are protected. We're announcing today support for Amazon S3, so we have the ability to back up Amazon S3 back buckets and objects as a part of it. And while all this is being done, you obviously have your network configuration, so your VPCs are in terms of how it's set up, having that holistic approach in terms of the workloads. What do we do in terms of, of, of data protection? We start with the basics. That's ability to back up your Amazon EC2 and all these services that we show out here. Now, you could write a scripted way to do it, but if you're looking for a self-service approach where you want your end users also to, to back that up without you being the primary administrator to do it, then having a nice interface or a tag-based way in which all of this can be simply done with a nice little GUI, uh, that's what we start with a backup approach. So taking snapshots, taking AMIs, 
backing up your databases, doing cross-region, cross-account, all of that simply orchestrated through the Cloud Rangers uh, product line. From there, once your data is backed up, you want to recover. How often do you guys do file-level recovery? How many of you have to do file-level recovery in your organization? Great. So one of the challenges that you see when you want to do a file-based recovery is you have a snapshot, and then you have to go to the process of mounting it, attaching it, accessing it, and trying to recover it. With Cloud Ranger Solution, we have a simple click-through way in which you can simply select which file you want and say you want to recover that. So right from a single file to a volume or a snapshot, you, you have any ways in which you want to recover your data, all of that is possible. Extending over that is the ability to do a file search. So looking at your snapshots, we have the ability to index your snapshots without putting an agent on it and make those snapshots searchable based on file metadata. That way, if you lose a particular file and you don't know which snapshot has it, you can simply do a search and it will tell you which snapshot contains which version of the file and then easily do a recovery without having to inflate every snapshot and search for it. So you have those size search capabilities also within Cloud Ranger. Extending that to DR, right from the operation of having to create DR sites, which is looking at your production site and saying, can you clone my environment? Can you create my environment for me with a VPC clone? We have the ability to do DR site creations. And finally, once your sites are set up, you obviously want first class plans, DR plans that you can execute in the event of a failover. We offer the ability to do create DR plans that you can execute as a part of it. So it's end to end right from starting from backup to the ability to create DR plans that we offer as a part of our solution for AWS environments. With that, you know, now that we have looked at Cloud Ranger from a very high level, I'd like to invite Julie to cover Vanderbilt's journey to the cloud and share more insights around it. Thanks, Julie. Well, hello, everyone. First of all, oh, good. I'd like to know, is anybody here from Tennessee? Oh, we got a couple of people. Great. Hey, Vanderbilt University is located in Nashville, Tennessee. It is a private research university. The enrollment is approximately 13,000 students, 9,000 faculty and staff. According to Reuters, Vanderbilt University is ranked number 10 in the world's most innovative universities. The Princeton Review ranks Vanderbilt University number three for the best quality of <clears throat> the best quality of life, happiest students, and the most beautiful campus. We have undergraduate programs and graduate programs. It includes <clears throat> biomedical, law, business, divinity, engineering, and much more. I, I work for the Vanderbilt University. Information Technology Cloud Services team. We started out with about three people, and we grew to six exceptional people. Ed Wisdom, Director. Jason Bradley, Associate Director. Jake Margison, Jennifer LeBlanc. Alan Carnes and I are Cloud Engineers. All of us come from diverse IT backgrounds to include system administration, both Linux and Windows, database administration, 
application administration, and of course, development. We started our cloud journey in 2015 with a brokered cloud service. They added a 50% expenditure to our cost. They took care of support, backups. If we ever needed anything, we just submitted a ticket. In 2016, we established a cloud-first strategy. 2017, we'd been training long enough and working long enough with AWS that we finally formed our centrally managed service and got away from the brokered cloud services. Our main focus was on excellent customer service, security, backups, monitoring, and education, and education of our users. In 2019, right now, we're adding approximately two new accounts monthly to our AWS organization. Okay. You can see the current stats right now. We support diverse groups with diverse needs. We have a couple of general accounts for general requests, such as servers, databases, and of course storage. A majority of these 60 accounts are for labs, departments, for researchers, and others. Some of the departments we support <laughs> include academic, administration, IT support, research. Some of the services that we support include web services, like WordPress, Omni, um, operating systems, Linux, Windows, databases, Aurora, MySQL, Postgres, SQL Server, Neptune, DynamoDB. Database is pretty popular. <laughs> okay. We support DevOps, Lambda, EMR. Um, we support VPCs, load balancers, direct connects, and of course storage. And I just learned recently, we went from 50 terabytes between the two to almost 100 terabytes. We utilize Snowball also. And we've gone from three regions to five. That was very, very recently. So I have a question. How many people in here manage multiple accounts with AWS? Just wondering, how many manage more than 50 accounts? Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about four different issues that I faced before we had Cloud Ranger. Okay? We had one account in particular. They had an analytics application they needed to use. The users were very proficient at AWS. They were very diligent about their costs. Okay? They, they contained all their backup in S3. They had their servers, about four servers, 
Um, they were provisioned from cloud formation templates, and they wanted to take care of their own backups. So they were good to go. They were gonna have good costs and everything. We notice at the end of one month, 70% of their monthly cost was in snapshots. So what was the problem? Stale backups. They would also restore a server, and they kind of left it there. Someone started backing up that server too. They had no schedule, no policy, and no recovery options to include file recovery options. Second issue I faced was whenever I would restore from backup, I would have to initialize or pre-warm the storage, the server. Sometimes that would take hours. I think AWS kind of recognized that last week and they kind of helped that out. But the deal was, I found not that many people really need a server restored. They just need one file. <laughs> so, the third issue I found, the athletics department. They hired a developer to work on one project. He worked after hours, he worked on the weekends. They just basically allowed him to work on the server itself. They didn't want him having any AWS control, console, anything. He would have benefited from the stop and start scheduling that Cloud Ranger has included. He would have also benefited from the file level restore capabilities. The fourth issue, my final one, I'm gonna tell you about, is I thought about disaster recovery. Mm, kind of secondary. I mean, we had backups. Our vice chancellor, he formed a group to make us accountable for disaster recovery planning. This is for all of IT. Wow, I just thought it was a little overwhelming. So, needless to say, the administration of backup services was time consuming and at times very stressful. Why Druva Cloud Ranger? Hey, well, we checked out many vendors. I was tasked with organizing vendor presentations, checking out the criteria, making sure it's everything that we wanted. It was a team effort to choose the correct software. The criteria that we included was the software must be intuitive to configure and to run. I didn't want to be the only one that was a backup administrator. Must have single sign-on integration. Must have role-based permissions. You notice we had 60 accounts. We wanted users to be able to help manage their backups in DR. The role-based permissions would help that. We wanted a cost savings, time savings. We especially wanted excellent customer service and support. And the software must be future-proof. Okay. 
We've been using Cloud Ranger for about two years now. And this is where we are today. We started our centrally managed cloud journey with approximately four accounts. Now we have approximately 60 accounts. We use tags to determine what resources need to be backed up. We found early on, users would spin up resources. They're supposed to tag it, whether it's to be backed up or not. That didn't always work out, or sometimes the spelling wasn't right. So we created scripts that would run nightly. It would tag all resources back up true. It was a manual effort to exclude anything from backup. Okay. We use role-based permissions. These policies allow us to eliminate the stale backups. We have a general backup policy, a seven-day backup, one backup every weekend for one month. Another nice thing about Cloud Ranger, another added feature, is the server stop and start scheduling. We use that for our development environment. We have our dev servers on while the developers are there. We're working on a few other disaster recovery options. We're, we are creating CloudFormation templates for our high availability infrastructure. We also have accounts that use the Cloud Ranger DR. They kind of work together real well. With Cloud Ranger, we have recovery options. We can reco recover just the file or the server itself. Excuse me. At Vanderbilt, we are concentrating on YAML CloudFormation templates to provision our servers, networks, and stacks. We have 60 AWS accounts and only a few people to manage these accounts. We are encouraging users to use their AWS accounts to the fullest and provision whatever resources they need. As a cloud team, we offer general backup and restore capabilities. We also offer our users the ability to log into their accounts and manage their backups and restore their files themselves if they want to. When users log in to the Cloud Ranger application, they see graphs. And these graphs let them know where they are, what's been backed up, and instantly they know if they need to make any changes or what's going on. We have users that use Cloud Ranger to set up their DR. Just wondering, has anybody ever used Cloud Ranger for DR in here? It's really, really something. Instead of a policy, you can do it manually. All you have to do is copy an image from one region to another, click a button to clone the virtual private cloud, the VPC, map the SSH keys 
you have a DR environment. You can also schedule testing. I was scheduled testing on Sunday. I don't always look, do work on Sunday. I can look at the logs later to see if there's any issues. Think about it. For DR, all you have to do is, again, copy an image from one region to another, click a button to clone the VPC, map your keys, and you've got DR. It's, it's really pretty sweet. Cloud Ranger helps provide DR options in collaboration with our CloudFormation templates. We have a small cloud team, which is organizing to provide excellent service and to adhere to best practices. Cloud Ranger allows us to log in, visualize the accounts in one place, check out each account. I receive notification emails when there's any issues. Cloud Ranger allows users access to just their account. I am a big fan of the file restore capabilities of Cloud Ranger. The disaster recovery configuration is extremely easy to work with. After each account has been set up, I rarely check to see that the application is working. It just works. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. It's always good to hear customers not only seeing cost savings, but also uh, saving up on time to, to repurpose that time to do their things. So moving on uh, to, to DR strategies, you know, what's, what's the right approach to take in terms of setting up your DR site? You know, what's the right topology to follow? Uh, we, we often ask this question, you know, what's the right way to do it? And our recommendation has always been, uh, you know, what's, what's the number one pain point that you're looking to address from a disaster recovery readiness? Uh, and depending upon that, you have multiple options that you can take uh, from a DR site setup purpose. To start off with, if you're a very small organization, you think, uh, you know, the primary area you're worried about is, is an operational issue that's going to happen. And when it comes to DR setup, you could start off by having a same account and the same region uh, as your choice. You don't have to go too complex in that manner. If, if you're an organization that's worried about is there a possibility of a malicious attack or an insider threat that's going to occur, then one way you can safeguard against that is to set up an isolated account. You could set up an isolated account with, with limited privileges. Uh, if you're an organization that's thinking, you know, there is a possibility that there could be a site outage, there's, there's a possibility that uh, the region may go down, and I'm, I'm concerned more about that, then what you can do is you can, you can set up a different account and a different region to go with, uh, you know, from your DR site perspective. Finally, if you still want to have a DR strategy within AWS and your organization is more concerned about what if, what if, what if something happens, uh, in that case, what you can look at is you can have use AWS as advantage to your, to your way you set up your DR by saying I can have two DR regions instead of one and still work with a different account. And that way, you know, if you're more worried about, let's say, a particular outage happening and everybody going towards the dynamic resources available in that region, you now have a secondary region to work with. So you have multiple options that you can work with. 
And depending upon which options you take, as I mentioned earlier, if you take a cross-region kind of strategy, then you have your egress charges. If you work with the same region, then you just have your interavailability zone charges that you work with. You have different ways and complexities to deal with. And all of this is dependent upon what are the primary objectives that you are looking to safeguard from a DR perspective. Now, irrespective of whichever strategy you use to adopt, uh, or whichever area you're looking to safeguard against, what Rua's Cloud Ranger solution can do for you is it helps you set up these environments and take your DR plans to work with it. On the left, you have Rua's Cloud Ranger solution. As I mentioned earlier, we are 100% architected in AWS. We are a serverless-based solution uh, designed to offer a SaaS-based approach in AWS. On the right-hand side, you can configure any number of AWS accounts with Cloud Ranger. The configuration is a very simple process of, you, of a role being generated. Role is the only way in which Ruas Cloud Ranger talks to your account. All the data operations, everything happen within your account, so there is no compromise of your data being moved out or taken anywhere else. To take an approach of two different AWS accounts in two different regions, let's say you have account A, which is your primary account, and working out of London as your, as your primary region. You want to set up a DR site in, let's say, another account B, and you want to pick another region, let's say Ireland. Now, what Cloud Ranger can do for you is the first step, which is involved in creating a DR site where you want your network, security resources, all of those to come up for your DR site. We can help simplify that process with a clone operation, so creating that DR site for you. If you look at your instances in your account, whether you have your EC2, your EBS, or your RDS instances sitting in it, based on your RPO requirements, which is your recovery point objectives, you want your, your backups to be copied or your, your images to be, your point in time copies to be taken. We can do that with a backup-based policy approach where even if you take a cross-region or a cross-account, all of this can be taken care for you. Finally, Going into your DR site, in event you have an issue, you want to have a ready-made DR plan that you want to orchestrate when something goes wrong. And so you can create these, pre-create these DR plans that you can execute in your secondary region to bring up your DR site servers in your secondary region as a part of these operations. Let's look at each of these steps in detail and understand how it happens. So if you look at the Cloud Ranger's way of, of, create, of doing this, they're broadly the following steps that we help automate uh, in, DR, in the DR process. We start off with the first part, which I mentioned, is, is to create your environment. And to do that, we can help you by pointing to your production environment. You don't have to manually configure and create your secondary account, your environment. We can do that for you with, with the creation process. We have out-of-the-box backup policies that you can set up, which can do the cross-region and cross-account backups for you. Then we can create DR plans for you. The DR plans can be executed in a failover manner, so that in an event that something goes wrong, you can actually bring up your servers in your secondary site. Going back to the primary challenge that I, I mentioned earlier, why do DR plans fail? One of the reasons why DR plans fail is you, you hardly get an opportunity to test them. So have a way in which you can do a scheduled, automated manner of testing. That's something that we offer once your DR plans are set up out of the box. You can automatically set a schedule to bring up your instances, check if everything is working, and tear them down periodically. All of this can be done in an automated manner. Lastly, for those of you who have to generate reports that you need to share across, certifying that you're actually testing and you're meeting your DR requirements, you have out-of-box DR reports that you can use to share across uh, as a part of it. So it's broadly these five steps that we simplify from, from an automation perspective for those of you who are looking to set up your DR processes. 
start off with what do we mean by clone your environment? How do we create an environment? To what Julie was referring earlier, a simple click by defining what your production environment is. You have a GUI option which says pick your region. You can say London is my primary region. I want to create a site in Ireland. And I have another account. We'll take care of figuring out how many availability zones are there. We'll take care of figuring out how to bring up all the resources out there. We'll look at what settings you have in your production environment, and we'll do all of this with a simple clone operation. What happens behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, what you'd see is, as a part of this clone operation, right from your network settings with, in terms of your VPCs, your subnets, each of this that you have defined with your applications running, each of those settings is actually being identified and cloned for you in a secondary region. We do that with, by generating a cloud formation template for you in your own account. And for all of you, or for most of you who would have more settings in your environment where you need additional changes in your environment to work with, you can now work out of this cloud formation template pre-created for you to add your additional changes. And that way you can see at any point of time, if you want to mimic what your production environment looks like, you can simply do that with this clone functionality. Now, while this helps you in event of a disaster recovery, you want to fail over and recreate an instance, another key thing to keep in mind is we, what we see customers doing is, is, is a disaster recovery pre-check or preempting that issue of a disaster recovery or disaster occurring in your organization. And that is, you know, when you have a critical update that you're pushing to production, one way to make sure that a critical update that goes into your production does not cause any issues is to actually test it. A better way to test that is to, is to work with an environment that replicates or looks exactly like your production. So the ability to use this clone functionality to create a sandbox, a DevQA sandbox, where it has almost all your production-like settings that you can quickly test your fixes, make sure they're good, and then push them into production, is one of the areas that we also see this clone functionality being leveraged as an area to work with. With your DR site setup, you can create as many environments as you want. You can tear down these environments with Cloud Ranger, recreate them, and ensure your environment is up. The next step is to make sure that your RPO is met, so your point-in-time copies are being done into another account. We do that with backup policies. A backup policy allows you to go across accounts, so you can set up policies to go across account. If you're used to the AWS way, where you don't have to give IDs but tag your resources, you can just say, here are my resources. I just want to specify the tag. You can even define that in your console and have your end users just tag the resources that need to be backed up. And Cloud Ranger would automatically identify based on the policy which resources need to be backed up and do that. Today, we are also enhancing this further based on what we're hearing customers tell us, that as organizations grow bigger, as the number of accounts grow bigger, it's becoming harder to ask every user to tag resources. At times, tags don't resources, and it's very hard to ask users to tag resources. But you obviously know what VPCs and subnets your, your resources work in. So if you had the ability to select based on a rule and say, all resources that form a part of this VPC, I'm interested in backing that up, uh, you, would have, you don't have to worry about the tags approach. So we're adding that functionality too to also do a tag-based approach or a network or, or a subnet way in which you can back up your resources. Finally, you want DR plans a DR plan based on your business, something that's light, that's something that's simple and easy to set up. We offer out-of-the-box DR plans creations based on your SLO, which could be your RPO and your RTO requirements. You define the environments to, to bring up, which is your source environment, your target environment. You have cost-optimized test options. So if your production systems are running with, with a very high-end machine, 
Probably for a test, maybe you might be okay with a T2 small or a T2 medium. And you know, when you're periodically testing this, you just want to make sure that your resources come up with the lowest cost and make sure that they're working. You have these fine-grained test options that you can also use into your DR plans uh, as a part of it. Lastly, with your plan set up, you want to take up reports. Look at the reports. We offer out-of-the-box CSV and PDF reports that you can share across for your DR runs that you do. Uh, if you're looking at the console, you have very detailed results. So you can see each server that's brought up. How long did it take? Did it meet your RPO requirements? Did it treat your RTO requirements versus the actuals? If you're an organization where you need to feed all of this into a common system where you have a common reporting framework, then we have APIs that you can plumb into and share your results. And all of this has been done deliberately to, to take away that manual action that you need to do once you're set up to simplify all that operations for you. So to summarize, you know, if you're looking to set up DR plans and you're looking to set up a disaster recovery strategy, starting with simplicity, that single clone operation where you don't have to manually figure out what are your VPC settings, that operation that's simply with, with, with the ability to create and bring simplicity to the table. That's a number one action that we have in front of us. We bring simplicity. The second is the cost effectiveness. I talked about test options. The other big area that you want to keep in mind is the DR infrastructure. We are a SaaS-based solution, and what that means for you is there's zero DR infrastructure required in your environment. You don't need any servers to be running in your environment. Nothing is involved to be running in an environment. We do everything based on APIs that AWS provides to orchestrate it, so there's actually no infrastructure that you need additionally for a DR perspective. In terms of security, as I mentioned, we do an IAM-based approach. At any point of time, you control what permissions you're granting to CloudRanger and you have visibility into it. If you want to set up cross-account plans, we have that flexibility too. But the biggest advantage to this entire operation is this fully managed experience that you get with it. And that basically means, you know, while you're looking at your production environment and you're, you're really short on time, you don't really have to worry about the DR infrastructure. And that means there's no patching you don't have to do anything to upgrade your systems. You get live updates of the latest changes that come through. There is no maintenance downtime. All of this is offered to, a, to you through a fully managed offering. As a part of it, since we use AWS's native APIs, we are future-proof. We use the same native snapshots, so the snapshots reside in your account at any point of time. You can see all the data in the native format residing in your account. And that also allows us the capability to extend day zero support for any new region or any new instance type that comes up. So implicitly, all of this is offered as a part of the SaaS experience that you get with CloudRanger. Now, what recommendations do we have uh, for, for DR? These recommendations that we're sharing broadly are based on, on our interactions with our customer base. These are things that we have learned uh, from what we've seen. What's the right way to set up a DR environment? Uh, the way we look at it is most customers tell us the best approach to do is to try and create an air gap environment. And so they isolate it and set up a separate account as a way to go. And that ensures that with limited uh, access, you know, you now have a secure way in which you can have a DR strategy. We recommend reviewing your region every time very cautiously when you're setting up a DR site. As I showed you earlier, there are cost merits that you can take out of it. They are dependent issues in terms of, of the services that you're using. And you have to make sure that your instance types, all of these little considerations are taken into, into consideration when you look at your DR site. 
Last, going back to the challenge that I mentioned earlier, AWS gives you a lot of flexibility, and I'm, I'm not sure how many announcements are going to come out by the end of reInvent, and I don't even know how many announcements since last year have AWS made. All of this flexibility means your environment is, is not static. Your environment is constantly changing. You're seeing more and more options, and you're making more and more of these changes. And if your DR environment is not kept in pace with it, what you'd find is at one fine day when you want to do some, have a failover, you would see your, your environment out. So it's important to periodically make sure your DR sites are updated. You can achieve that with the clone operation that I talked about. Or if you're looking to set up something on your own, then that's something that you should carefully keep in consideration. DR plans, what's the right way to do it? What's the best way to do it? I'm sure most of you who have set up DR plans go with an application-based way, application-tier-based way, based on how your SLOs for that application are. We commonly hear that's the, that's the recommended way in which folks set it up. You can set up any number of DR plans that you want to work based on your applications. We recommend that you should test out your DR plans at least once in three months, and that way you ensure that your environment your servers, your resources are all up and running. Now, I understand from a DR perspective, there is a complete full process of not just your servers, there's also people, and there's a lot of involved in a complete DR plan that you set up. But what we're talking about is, is the key parts of it where you can do a subset of your testing where, by ensuring that at least your environments are, are on the latest part, your servers are up and running in the right way. You know, when event you need to orchestrate, then you should do that at least once in three months. As you set up your DR plans, review your service SLOs. It's important to know, you know if you have your VPN configurations and all of those, are these regions meeting your guidelines that you've set forward for you? you know, are you in line with your RPO, RTO requirements? Do you need to pick an alternate region with the flexibility that you have? Do you need to fine tune any settings? All of these things are things that you should do when you set up your DR plans. When we look towards our customers and we see what, what region have they picked up from a DR region perspective, Within US, we see Ohio as their primary choice uh, of, of, of DR site. I'm not sure why North Virginia is not taken, but I guess everybody picks North Virginia as their uh, primary site. How many of you have the servers in North Virginia? That's the half the team. How many of you have in Ohio? How many of you have a DR site in Ohio? Your DR is in Ohio. One. All right, so for those who go internationally, who are looking at based out of international regions, especially if you're like in a country where you have only one region available like Sydney and you have data residency requirements, then you don't have much of a choice. So we see Sydney as, as also an active base where it's been used. You, you try to attain flexibility by, by using different AZs as your choice. That's the flexibility you get with it. And then in the European side, we see Ireland uh, as, as a preferred DR site uh, from, from a choice perspective. How often are DR plans tested? Our customers, we, what we see is pretty much have, about 68% of them have this automated DR plan set up, and that allows them to just create their environments, check, make sure it's running, tear it down after a particular period of time. So they know that the snapshots or the point in time copies are good, they know the environment that they're recovering to is updated and working. And we see that action happening with the plans to run once a month, so it's an automated plan that they test out once a month. That's, that's what we see our customer, customer base doing today. With that, uh, you know, with the AWS environments changing, with, with the growing needs that we see, 
We are also announcing several new capabilities keeping in line with what our customers are doing today. Uh, the first one is around S3 backup. S3 is the heart of where the data is. So we're extending support to S3 as a source, the ability to backup your data in S3 to another account or another region or pick objects. The context becomes very critical from a DR perspective where if you have object versions, particular versions that are related to your application and you have a dependency on it, when you orchestrate a failover, when you want to do a recovery, you have a dependency to go back to a particular version, then you can use these capabilities. The second one is around EBS snapshots. How many of you have a cost issue with the EBS snapshots that you have? You need to retain it for long term and you have a cost consideration. All right. So this, this is something that we repeatedly hear. The EBS snapshots are at about five cents a GB. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Stalcom is the cheapest AWS region. Uh, it's at point, it's at four five. So it's roughly slightly lower than five cents, but if you max out the volume, then it's cheaper. But if you have to park an EBS snapshot for a very, very long period of time, you want to do it for longer term retention purposes, then the cost consideration comes in where you ask yourself, if I was to put it in S3, it's about two cents a GB, two, two cents a GB, and then if you go down to deep glacier, deep archive, the cost further drops dramatically. Keeping that in mind, what we are extending now is an ability to transition EBS snapshots to Glacier or to Deep Archive or to any S3 storage class. That way, if you need to retain those snapshots, let's say for, for years or you need to do it for months, you now have a cost-effective way in which you can park your snapshots also. So it's that ability to pick your S3 buckets and ensure your snapshots are put out there uh, for longer-term retention as a capability that we're also adding into. The policies I talked about, the, the backup policies, they have been extended uh, to, to go across accounts, to do network settings, to give you additional flexibility in how your retention should be controlled. We are also plugging in support for SSM documents, AWS SSM documents. So if you have applications that are running in your servers, they're custom applications, you want to do an application consistent backup, then the ability to inject a pre-script and a post-script as a part of your application backup the way we are looking to do that uh, is to support AWS SSM documents, something that is natively available as, within AWS itself. That way you can bring your own SSM documents, uh, you can have your credentials stored in your parameter store, and have all of this available as a backup policy, uh, also being available with the capabilities. Lastly, for the federal customers who are looking at there, we are extending support to GovCloud regions too. So if you have uh, GovCloud regions that you need to support for, we, we also have a solution that's now available for GovCloud regions. Now, we, we talked everything about uh, today about the AWS side of it in terms of native workloads. But for many of our customers that we see today, hybrid environments exist. You might be using VMware on cloud uh, and when you have all of these in your environment, you still need a unified solution to back up your data, to ensure your data is available from a DR purpose. So we still offer a solution under the Druva solution umbrella called Druva Phoenix. Druva Phoenix is again a SaaS-based solution, so no hardware, nothing involved in it. And if you want to securely back up your data to the cloud, you want to do a DR to the cloud, you want to take a VM which is on-premise and DR it to the cloud and create it in the cloud as an EC2, we offer that also as a part of, of our data protection solutions too. That brings me to the end of this. Uh, I'm sure, I hope this session provided you with some insights. 
you know, if, if you're looking to learn more about Rua's solutions, uh, you want to see a demo, perhaps, of some of these capabilities that we talked about today. Uh, we are the Venetian. We have a booth. The booth number is 115. Uh, or you can head out to Drua's website. You'll get all the information out there. Lastly, we are also running a promo at the reInvent. So if you head over to the booth now, you, you sign up for a Cloud Ranger account. Uh, it's a, it's a self-sign-up process. If you do that, you head over to the booth right away, and you get your Cloud Ranger account configured. We're even giving you 50 AWS credits just so that you can look at your AWS environment and see how it's working. So if that's something of interest, then you can, you can even do that. With that, thank you very much. Uh, we hope that you found the session useful. And do let us know your feedback off by the app. Thank you. Thank you.